Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too, and with no FAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus, made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students, including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV. Hey, Washington, D.C. We all miss the cheers. The cheers. And the touchdowns. The excitement of a last-second field goal to get the heart pumping. The football season's finally here. So now is the time to head to Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races to place your bets for Week 13. And placing your bets at the Sportsbook at Hollywood Casino Charlestown Races is an easy way to earn exciting My Choice rewards all season long at the Sportsbook at Hollywood Casino Charlestown Races. All gaming is regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. Gamble too much? Call 1-800-522-4700 for free confidential help. Must be 21. Blog Talk Radio. This is the Chauncey Show, where we're always right. We're never left. We put God first and politics second. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Chauncey Brown. We have an exciting show lined up for you today. I am honored, proud, and blessed to have on my show today a friend of mine who is a veteran. She is a dynamic individual. She's a patriot. And she's a people first candidate running for Congress in Massachusetts in District 4. Let me welcome to the show, my friend, retired Colonel Julie Hall. Well, hello. Thank you so much. Wow, that's such a great entrance. I hope I can live up to all of that. It's good to be here. <laughs> it's good to have you, Jules. Um, Talk a little bit about your background. You know, some of my listeners have have listened to you and know who you are. But for my new listeners, talk a little bit about who you are, and then we'll talk about how you got involved in politics. Okay. So um, I am a retired Air Force colonel. I started my career in 1978, quite, quite some time ago. Uh, and I started off as an enlisted person. When I went in, of course, there weren't many females that went into the military, and even fewer that stayed. So I talk to people about that because it sort of goes to my character and my drive and my fight because it was very, it was difficult uh, working in an all-male-oriented uh, environment. But it was, it was great. It was a great experience, and it kind of taught me, if you would, to be the person that I am today. So I'm not a quitter, always a fighter. Uh, when challenges come along, I'm very, very good at finding those solutions. The important part about my career, I think people need to know, is I started off at the very bottom of the ranks in the Air Force. Uh, they call it a no-striper. And I made it to colonel. And I do realize that that is a feat. A lot of people... More of the women are doing that now, but when I again when I came in, there weren't there weren't many of us. And I had a couple of things 
you know, in the military where I was the first woman. I did break some glass ceilings. I'm very, very proud of that. I see myself also as a role model for other women. And uh, that's pretty much the, the, uh, the military career. It was very, very good. So that takes care of that. And then I think the other important thing that people know about me or need to know about me is I came from a very middle-class family. I had seven, six other brothers and sisters, basically seven of us all together. And in the area that I live, we are very much a working-class group and very much a middle-class group. And I think we can save a little bit of conversation, but I definitely want to talk about gerrymandering. Uh, <laughs> a lot of... A lot of districts, a lot of states are going through the redistricting process. I guess it happens every 10 years. This just happens to be the year. We all were waiting for our census data, and now I understand nobody's happy. So <laughs> the typical. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we can talk a little bit about that and how that actually affects my district. That's awesome. Okay, so... What made you decide to get in politics after a stellar career? Uh, and thank you for standing up for our country, and thank you for being a role model, not only to women, but to everyone. What made you decide to get involved in politics? Uh, I think, you know, I, you know, I had a conversation with another uh, individual from the military, and this individual is just actually starting out their career and realizing that it, as there are politics obviously involved in the military. And, you know, it's interesting because, again, this person hasn't even made it through into his first assignment yet and already is feeling the impact of the new regime, if you would. So I think part of me being in uh, the political realm, I felt as though I have worked with government before, and I did. So when I was a colonel, I did work at the Pentagon. I did work for health affairs. I have worked at this level before, at the congressional level. So that was one thing. I did have some comfortable, I, I did have a comfort zone with being able to do this job because I felt that in some essences in the military, I have done this job mm-hmm. uh, and all the experience that I've had. But what got me into the military is I wanted to finish my education. So that was the first thing. Um, and in my family, as I said, we were very middle class, it, and I had six other brothers and sisters. It was going to be up to me to put myself through school, which I did. And I saw the military as an avenue to also be able to continue that education. But more importantly, I always felt deep inside I did want to serve my country. I, I think I was a public servant from the very beginning, from day one, since I was a little girl. I always uh, trying to help people. My father was very much a person who reached out no matter who it was. Uh, it didn't matter. My father was sort of a, I think he, he was a one-of-a-kind individual. So, you know, that my upbringing, trying to get back to, you know, school and I realizing that, you know, being the, one of the females in the family, probably I was not going to be the one that the money was going to be spent on. <laughs> so... Um, those were the reasons that I went in the military. Now, everybody will tell you, most people, I don't want to say everybody, but most people in the military will tell you what brought them into the military is not what kept them in the military. Once you get in and you meet people, 
and you realize that people from all over the country, no matter what nationality they are, what sexual orientation they are, it is an amazing experience that we can all work together and get work done and that we do it because we want to take care of each other. And I think that is the the biggest thing that people will tell you about the military and why we stay in is because we become very close to each other, Uh, quite a team. And you'll run into people over and over again throughout your military career that you have been close friends with. I still keep in touch with people. When I announce that I'm going to run again, oh, God, all my military friends jump in and say, hey, you know, they give me encouragement. So uh, that's, you know, one of the reasons why I did go in and I was able to successfully complete with the military. Uh, I did do a bachelor's degree, and that's when I became an officer. And then from then on, I was uh, sent to uh, two master's programs at St. Louis, uh, not St. Louis, oh, boy, I'd be in trouble for calling it St. Louis, but at Washington University School of Medicine. So I had two Mm -hmm. master's degrees that the government paid for. So I did fulfill my goals of what I wanted to do, and some, if you would, and also be able to serve my country, which I feel that I did very honorably. Okay, that is awesome. I know you want to talk about gerrymandering. <laughs> before we get yeah. to gerry, before we get to gerrymandering, talk about. I guess that is one of the issues. Talk about. Well, might as well. If you talk about the issues that are affecting your district, then I guess it's time for us to talk about uh, yeah. gerrymandering because that will affect who votes for you, and it will impact uh, the people's decision. So so please share with us about uh, what's going on with the redistricting around the country, especially in your district. Sure. Sure. Um, Well, just to to set the stage for this, um, and why it means so much to me in particular and people in the 4th District, is one of the things that I ran on when I ran last uh, time, and it was during COVID, it was very difficult, But I did run on the fact that the majority of this district, and we have 34 cities and towns within this district, out of those 34, I would say there's probably a good 28 or 29 that will bunch up together, which share the same socioeconomic status or or median family income. And when you actually put this on an Excel spreadsheet, you see it's extremely clear that there is a huge gap between those 28 or so cities and towns and the three or four that are up north as part of the district. Huge gap, meaning they make their family, median family income is off the charts compared to ours. So the question is always, you know, how would those folks be able to understand what the rest of us even go through? The difficulty is, and the 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 part that is really frustrating in all of this is that <clears throat> the last four Congress people have come from one of those cities. Every one of them have come from Newton. So the same city. And, and that's not, I, I think it's beyond gerrymandering. I think it's corruption. To the, I mean, it, you, you can't see it, but anything, anything like that is purposely done to have the four 
or actually three for sure. The fourth one happened to be a Catholic priest, believe it or not. And the bishop uh, came in, excuse me, not the bishop, but the pope actually came down and said, I don't want any of my priests running for office. And he had to leave, followed by him. And he actually did have a seminary that he was working out of in Newton, the same place. But after that, we had three in a row, all from the same city. Now, you can't tell me that that is, you know, that that's fair and equitable. It's impossible when you have it. I mean, I can understand if it's sort of, you know, mixed around a little bit throughout the district, but to have the have three particularly come from the same city is just really hard for, um, let's put it this way, it's very, very difficult and frustrating for us because we know why it was done. The most affluent people of this particular state and this district for sure and the highest concentration of Democrats are in that city and the mm-hmm. cities that are right next to them. So it's, again, it is almost like the Democrats have locked it up. It's almost like one particular city has locked it up. But, and I have no animosity towards anybody that makes money or, you know, lives a, in a different socioeconomic status than I do. I don't, but that's not the majority of my people. And so my, my quest and my mission is I want to be a voice for the working class and the middle class in, in that of the majority of this district, we share values. It is my honest belief that socioeconomic status and, the, and where you decide to live because of the money and what you can afford, that's what sets your values. That's what determines your community. And I think it transcends I think it transcends color. I think it transcends culture, you know, gender, all of those things. So to me, it's probably one of the most significant things that you can group people together to share common values. Now, aren't we supposed to be represented by people who also share those common values? Well, we should be. If we're not, we should be because your group needs to have a voice. Your struggles need to come forward. Your challenges need to be represented. And if you don't have someone who understands those, you will never be represented. This district, the majority of this district has never been properly represented in Congress based on the socioeconomic status. So that's what I ran on. And it was a good message. The problem is, when I have people that are so affluent that they have family members that could give them 50 grand, I have one young lady that she just jumped into the race and she's starting herself funding at $250,000. Well, people down here in my part, my part of the country, if you would, in my part of the district, we don't have that kind of money. And, and I hear this. Chauncey, I hear this all over, all over uh, the country, that, the, that there are pockets of people in the same situation that I am in and that we are in here in District 4 and that you have to have billions of dollars, millions of dollars, if you would, to run for office. How can that be? How did we get to this point? 
that you that this has become a, such a big business, the election business, that only certain people of affluence can even have the opportunity to get into the race. That that's something very very wrong. So I fight against that, and that's why I run, and that's why I'm running. I am a middle class person. I don't have to act like a middle class person. <laughs> Believe me. I get to make those decisions every day that everybody in this district makes. You know, do you pay for your, do you go out and buy something new? You know, you got a TV that broke down? Or do you wait for two months because your kid's got to go to school and your kid needs a new computer? Those are the kinds of decisions that people here in this district make every day. And, and, I, and I know that people are listening to me right now are saying, it's just the same thing with us, you know, raising exactly. their hand, you know. Um, I think there's, there are more of us than there are of them, and yet we don't have that representation in Congress. And that's pretty much the bottom line right there. I, I'm fighting against, you know, the fiscal reform of, of elections. I think that there needs to be a cap on it. I think that the average everyday person, more than anybody else, needs to have a fair opportunity. We do not have a fair opportunity right now. In order for me to meet the, the requirements, I could, I'd, have to sell, I'd have to sell my, my condominium. I'd have to sell you know, some of my investments. And I did that last time. Last time I actually you know, did um, cash in some of my investments just so I could give it a fighting chance. And again, they spent over $1.5 million I think my final tally was $128,000 and $30,000 of that I put in myself. So for under $100,000, I got 38.9% of the vote. So friends, listen to me. If you're out there listening right now and you're, and you're hearing me and your heart is saying to she is right, oh, my gosh, just know 38.9% of the vote, you can do it. We can do it. And we're going to bring that number up, and we're going to go up. That, that's 11 points away from a win. It's pretty good. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing uh, that brief segment. For those that are tuning in, you're listening to the Chauncey Show. We're always right, never left. We have retired Air Force Colonel in the studio, Jules Hall, talking about gerrymandering and talking about basically how we're all living uh, you know, day by day, uh, or I should say, check to check, as as middle class today, uh, you know, we have to make uh, decisions whether we go and spend money, uh, whether it's buying something yep. new or going out to dinner versus cooking at home and and trying to save. You know, I am one of those individuals as well as this, especially I have a 21 year old that's in her last year of school. I have a 13 year old that's in high school and wants to go to law school. So I'm penny pinching already um, just to allow her the opportunity. You know, uh, we are living in very, very difficult times. And yes, you are correct. You know, politics today is big business. It's not about the people. It's about the money. It's about the power. And and it the system is corrupt within itself whether people want to agree or disagree. I've grown up in politics. I know it's corrupt. I know I know of election fraud. I've witnessed it. Um, so when they say that uh, there was a fair election and we look at the amount of ballots 
that were lost, misplaced, buried, hidden, stolen. You know, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how people could rationally say, oh, that Biden won a fair election and never left his basement and then got 10 more million votes than Obama. And when Joe Biden ran three other times, he's never gotten four or three percent of the vote. So you know, people are extremely naive because if you look at the numbers, there is no way that Donald Trump lost and all the down ballot candidates won. It doesn't work like that, people. I've worked elections. I've been in politics. Whoever leads that ticket, if they win, the down candidates win. If he loses, the down candidates lose. So, in other words, for all the down candidates to win and for Trump to lose, we have a big problem. People, there's a big problem. Okay, but if you want to listen to the fake mainstream media, they will tell you what you want to hear versus what the truth is. And that's one of the biggest problems we have now with big tech silencing the truth. It's ironic now that the truth has become false and the false has become the truth. It's, it's really a shame where our country is heading. The morality in this country by politicians are almost non-existent. They want to support abortion. They, they want to support trans, transgenderism. You know, uh, I, I noticed uh, today or yesterday on the news is that, you know, uh, the Vice President Kamala Harris was celebrating National Gender Day or whatever it was, and we have people, <laughs> we have a border crisis. We have crisis on all fronts in this country right yeah. now. I've never seen our country in eight months in as worse shape as it is on a foreign front, a national front, our borders, educational front, on all levels, political front, election front, Everything is failing in this country. And we really have to look at the people that are participating in this corruption. Big tech and the mainstream media. You know, that's why we have to be careful what we read, what we listen to, because they're not always telling us the truth, people. And that's why I thank God that I have this platform, because we speak truth to power. We bring you information that the mainstream media won't report. And I do that on my blogs as well. It's sad. You know, today yeah. you have to today you have to look for information to find the truth because they're not going to put the truth in front of your face. It's all a oh, deception. Gosh, you know, yeah. I mean, that's one thing I tell people on my Facebook all the time is, you know, and I have to tell you, I do have a background in sociology and psychology, too. I was a behavioral health specialist for six and a half years, my first six and a half years in the military. And I think that that has served me well, too, because I, I can understand. I am um, empathetic, if you would, is the best word I can use, to how people, you know, do feel in these situations and, and try to, you know, address that. The last thing I want to do as a public servant, and I am a public servant, I do not consider myself a politician. Uh, I don't even know what that word means anymore. So I, I consider myself a public servant. But doing that, I, can, I also understand for me to go to people and say, just trust me. That's the last thing I'm going to say. I, you know, or listen to what I say. I want people to learn 
why I feel the way that I do, the research that I have done. That's the best thing I tell people is I'll, when I put something out on my Facebook or Twitter, I also give a link and the source of where I got my information so that others can go in and say, hey, listen, you know, I, I see where you got your information from, and it's a valid, valid information. Majority of times, I will put out press releases from the source themselves being, if you would, the Border Patrol. I have put, I put a lot of information about what happens at the border. These are reports. They're not media bites. So what you're getting is exactly what the Border Patrol agents, if you would, are reporting out there, and it's, it's eye-opening. So, to, you know, to me, it's like I don't need to read that in, in the news. I follow what happens at the Border Patrol. I follow what happens with ICE. I actually follow what happens with Customs. I want the information from those people that do the job. I don't want it secondhand from the media. And I, I think that that is where people need to dig, dig a little bit deeper. And when they see something that comes out on the media about the border, get online. Get online and look up, you know, the Border Patrol. Look up their, their media releases. Look up to see if those reports are indeed true. I came across something I posted on my Facebook if you want to know how many people have been at the border and what's going on with them, there's actually that information. You could filter through it. You can you know, bring it up by, by state, and it's very, very interesting. Again, this is factual data. This is not media-released data. This is data directly from the Border Patrol. So those are the kinds of things I try to tell people, and that's just one example, is you have got to go and find out where you can get the source of truth. And I know that's a very, very difficult task, which is unfortunate, um, which makes me, again, bring up a couple of different issues that I try to tell people when they're voting for a candidate. You can teach that candidate anything. And, and that candidate, you know, if they get elected, that candidate can have subject matter experts. Um, I apologize. That's okay. I forgot to turn my phone off. That's my daughter calling me. That's all right. That's so they're calling me to Congress already. I can see that. They want me now. They want me now. So uh, that's the call. Come on down. Come to DC. Um, but, you know, I think that's the other thing I tell people is I have a great experience level. So I bring to the table, what do I bring? I bring, you know, 30 years, if you would, being in the military, I ran large medical systems. I've done logistics. I've done manpower. I've done analysis. I've done information technology, a little bit, you know, a little bit of everything. You name it. I was an operations officer. I've done budget, a huge Department of Defense budget. I know how to do these things already. I've seen, I've seen life, if you would. I've seen war for three decades. So that is important. I believe that is what we're going to, what is, I believe that's what we're missing out right now. Some of our mm-hmm. folks that are in these positions and getting put in these positions of authority don't have the experience level to do the job that they're doing. And, it, and you can see the result of that. 
Okay. They might be fine people. I'm going to say, listen, some of them might be fine people, but they don't. <laughs> just don't. <laughs> oh, I'm <laughs> laughing because that's the Donald Trump line when he talks about <laughs> the border. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, boy, it's well, it's funny because it's just crazy because people say that to me. That oh, geez, that's that's a big thing when I announce that. Like they always want to say that I'm a I'm a Trump loyalist or I'm a Trump Republican. You know, listen, I voted for I voted for not not one of these people have ever asked me, have I ever voted for a Democrat? They won't even not even a question. I would think that hey, listen, you want to paint me so well as a Trump. I mean, there are many, many other presidents have come through my time period, yet you want to focus in on this one, one president. Um, I think that's just very, very shallow. And it's very, listen, nope, they're not fooling anybody. What they're trying to do is sort of paint a picture somehow that, you know, all us Republicans are bad people. And, you know, I, I really resent that. I pride myself in, I was a highly decorated military officer. And I pride myself in my integrity and my honesty, which is what, I believe that if you can't teach people, you cannot teach people how to be, have integrity, how to be honest, and how to have good values. Those things come with your upbringing. Amen. So if you don't, if you don't have a candidate that is showing you those things, basically and fundamentally, they're flawed as far as I'm concerned. You, those are the things that are most important to our country today and it's the least thing that's looked at in a candidate. And people just want to sometimes turn their head like, oh, you know, it wasn't that bad. Yes, it was. Now, we all must make mistakes. We do. We're all mm-hmm. human beings. But I'm talking about fundamentally, if you know somebody has already, you know, lied to get where they are or, you know, uh, they, they consistently lie, they don't need to be a public servant. You could, again, you can teach people how to do the budget, believe me. They could teach me how to do it. They can teach anybody how to do it. But, but you need to make sure that you do whatever you can to try to assess whether your candidate has integrity, honesty, and values, has been loyal to their friends, those kinds of things that we need back in this country today because we are woefully We're just very, very woefully turning in a bad direction where we're fighting with each other all the time. We're mean to each other all the time, and we've got to stop that. We've got to get back to where we are at least can be civil with each other. We've got to get back where people start doing the right thing, whether whether somebody's making them do it or somebody's not making them do it. We've got to get back to the original values. And we have to get back to the values of America first. Now, I use the word America first, and, of course, they said, oh, that's another Trump word. Well, you know what? I was America first before Trump was America first or anybody was America first, and I used to use that word all the time. That's another reason why I stayed in the military, because I love this country. At Office Depot Office Max, we're here to help you work from home, an office, or even a coffee shop. Shop laptops, notebooks, ergonomic chairs, desks, and more. Although your local store at Spectrum at Ruston Town Center has closed, you can shop at our store at Benedict Drive and Bartholomew Fair Drive. Or shop 24-7 at officedepot.com, and we'll have your order ready in-store or curbside in just 20 minutes. 
Find everything you need to end the year strong at Office Depot, Office Max. And I want to see this country prosper. We are one of the few countries, probably the only country, where our Constitution allows us to self-correct. Have we had problems in the past? We absolutely have had problems. We've had problems with race. We've had problems with gender, you know, sexual orientation. But we have met those challenges the best we could, and we have gone and made laws to change things, to try to make things better. So when people say, oh, you know, it's horrible and, you know, life is, you know, it's, it's always, you know, one-sided, like we're, we're always the minority and we're always this, you should go to another country and see how it is in those countries. They don't, they don't have these discussions like we have. So, you know, you know that's, as, that's my point. As, we, you're, so, we're, you're lucky we even have the discussions here. That, that's, a, that's, that's exactly where I want to go. People in this country are driven by emotions, reaction. You know, politics, as you're describing, it's an intellectual sport based on the history of a person's integrity, work ethic, etc. Even now, when I'm listening to you share with me, people, voters, they're coming from an emotional position instead of asking you questions that will help them make an informed decision. I blame the media. I blame politicians because they have stroked fear. They've used emotions. They've used character assassinations to move their political will. And it's taking away from the substance of an individual, the substance of the issue. And it's sad. It is sad. Yeah. It's extremely it, it, sad. Know, it's sad. You, it's, know, you know, ruining our families, you know, you can see it everywhere. And I think the thing we need to do is we need to focus on our families. We need to focus on our children. I think, you know, it, we need to look ahead. You know, you always make a plan, the out, what you call the out years. We're looking at what, where we are right now. And a lot of us are fighting, number one, we don't want things to, you know, America, we want America and American values and so forth to stay the same. Why? Well, because we've seen it work. For 244 years, it's been working. And all of a no. sudden, somebody can come in and say, it's not working anymore? Come on now. Julie, the same with the military. Not you only know? that, we grew up around the same era. We know what America is like, how we grew up. We know that it's not like that now, and we want to give our children, our grandchildren, a fighting chance because our generation is the last generation that we really experienced the goodness of America, the 60s and the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the 80s. Yeah, the 80s was the transition. The 90s, forget it, with the crime, the crime bill. it, It just went haywire. After the 80s, the 60s and 70s, even even because even after the civil rights movement, you still had more people together. You know, as as a nation, whether it was against war, it was about things that impacted people's lives. It wasn't based on color. 
It wasn't based on the color. Yeah. I mean, this yeah, stuff that's, is that's ridiculous. Yeah. It is ridiculous. Go ahead. And that's the point that I was making is that, you know, as we we did make changes to make sure that people weren't discriminated against with housing and so forth and so on. Now, you can make laws that allow those things to happen. What you can't change is people's hearts and minds. But look what happens when you're able to live in the same neighborhood together and you share socioeconomic status and you share values and your kids start playing soccer together, okay? That's where, I mean, it doesn't fix everything. But you start to see some of that ability to, you know, to, to change things. And, and I guess that's the question people always ask me, well, what would you do and how would you change things? I would try to recreate the model just like we had in the military, is that you get people from all over the country, and as you reach across the table and you do things together, you play soccer, your kids play soccer, there's something very different that happens that all of a sudden that child doesn't see color anymore, they see their friend. Okay, they you're, see the guy on the left wing waiting for the ab- ball. You, you're absolutely All of a sudden, correct. we're part of a team. You know, you know and how did so? And did and did anybody make a law to make those two two young men do do that, or two young women do it? No, it just happens naturally. We provided, we as a society, provided those opportunities to make those changes. Some of us willingly, some of us not so willingly, but the changes came nonetheless. And things did start to change. So I agree with you 100%. Again, you know, we may not be that totally, mm-hmm. but look, I, I take my own experience. When I first right. went in the military, I wasn't allowed to go to war. There were things that I wasn't, weren't allowed to do because I was a female. I was a military person, I was, and, and yet I was not allowed to do certain things because of my gender. And that did keep me from certain promotion opportunities. So it did affect my pay. And when things affect your pay, that's when the rubber hits the road and you get a but little you, bit, you look at but, it and you say, okay. But you did not give up. That's the no. difference. And see, today, they, today the left wants to give them a handout. Another issue yeah. that really bothers me today is I know what racism is because I was born in the 60s. And for you to try to tell me that racism is a problem today in white supremacy, you people are out of your minds. Right. You you're creating. They they don't know. They don't know what. They don't know. I mean, what things? Right. They're creating it again, and they're creating victims again. You can go, do, and become anything you want. Racism had no impact on my success and failures in life. None. I did whatever I wanted to do in life. My color never held me back. My will is what made me successful in whatever I do. I am not a victim. I'm a Republican. Right. <laughs> there's, there's, there's the classic line right there. Um, but, no, but, but you are, I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm not a victim, I'm a Republican. Well, that's, that's a joke. I, you know, I, I say that for my Democratic uh, black friends. You know, that's, yeah, that's, how okay. I, that's how I came up with it, you know. Uh, I'm not a victim. Well, yeah, I've never have been. What? And another reason right. is I don't believe in reparations. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. I because mean, yeah, we could. Yeah, everybody could. I mean, I tell people all the time. You know what? For my two grandmothers and the mothers before them who did all that work for nothing and you know was able to keep the the men out there working, you can just on behalf of them, you can send their check to me. That's what I say. Okay. What if, all what these about, women that never got paid, never got paid for the work that they did. Okay. You want to do? You want to start paying reparations? Like I said, you know. And the um, left, the left needs to understand that there were black slave owners as well. How are you going to yeah. seek reparation from those black slave owners' families? Okay, because right. don't take it from taxpayers. Find out who the families were if you want to do it correctly. Because then right. now let's go back and find out. Oh, wait a minute. Well, let's go back to the slave trade that left out of Africa. If you want to talk about reparations. So let's go to the root of the issue. Let's look at England. Let's look at Africa. Let's look at all the Jews that participated in the slave trade. See, they want to try to and then put it on the United States government like you owe me something. Nobody owes you anything in this universe. Yeah, when, you, when God allows you to have breath in life, that is your gift. To the universe is your life. What are we doing with that gift of life to give back to the universe? That's the question that we should be asking ourselves. What are we doing within this universe to share God's love? What are we doing to be thankful that we've been brought here by the spirit of God? Yeah. No, I I think that, you know, you make a good point. I, I run into people. I really, I run into people in my little small, and I'm going to sit the city. It's in, you know, Massachusetts, but it is a very small city. This used to be a very affluent city because we made all the class rings. All of your class rings were actually made here in the city of Attleboro. But I run into people today, like it's most New England cities and towns that used to have the mills and so forth. Of course, we don't have those anymore, and that's what the livelihood was here. So it's been very, very difficult to regenerate businesses. So what did bring up here? The small businessman and woman, the entrepreneur. Okay, what is the American dream made of? Those people. And I think that is another thing that I look at this district and I say to myself, something like a COVID mandate that has been going on for so long just utterly decimated the majority of the businesses because, again, everybody had kind of turned over to the small business. We were living the American dream. People were bumping along. You know, we struggle. but still bumping along pretty good. And then it was like all of a sudden, boom. Now, I get it. I get it. This is a problem. People were dying, needed to get a hold of this, but it went on and on. And it's still going on. And the problem is it's not booster number one, booster number two. I mean, how many more of these are you going to have to get? And I you're think gonna have even... to get, you're going to have to get as many. Remember, let's look at what happened here. And excuse me for interrupting you. No, when, Donald, okay. when Donald Trump came in the office, Okay, the pharmaceutical companies were losing money because he wanted to renegotiate prices of prescriptions. People, listen to what I'm saying very carefully. 
the pharmaceutical companies were losing money under Donald Trump. The first year, COVID hit. Pharmaceuticals in that first year made $35 billion. People, it's not about the vaccine. It's not about your health. It's not about people dying. It's about money. Now, let me share statistical data with you. 1989, the American Medical Journal, quote, unquote, coronavirus, common cold. The data today, if you contract COVID-19, your survival rate is 98.2. That means you have a 1.8% chance of dying. People, that's not a pandemic. That's not an emergency. That is an upgraded flu shot, people. Oh, my friend died uh, from COVID. Well, with all due respect, are you a doctor? How do you know right. your friend died from COVID-19? Hey, right. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I, have, I have compassion for death. But people, yeah. hospitals make money from the federal government every time they list a patient dying of COVID-related symptoms, people. It's about money. It's not about your health. This really upsets me because people will not research and look at information. They're going to blindly right. say, give me the jab. Really? Why would you voluntarily stick a virus in your body? Why? It's, and I'm asking those who believe in God, who believe in the Holy Bible. Because if you believe in God, why are you trusting in man with a, with a vaccine that is experimental? Now you've got one, two, three boosters now for children. People, mm-hmm. why? Ask yourself, what is the purpose of boosters? If they're telling you the vaccine is going to prevent you from getting COVID, well, guess what, people? Look at how many people have contracted and died as a result of being fully vaccinated. I'll use Colin Powell, our last example, uh, in dying. Yep, yep. Personally, I believe that COVID vaccine is killing people. That's what I personally believe. Because I believe that they're injecting these people to control the population because the world is overpopulated. You know, it's interesting um, that you say that. I remember when I was in, you know, when I was in the military, we had seen all, you know, ages, as long as you were a veteran, you could come to the military hospitals until we realized that, Medicare was getting paid for all the 65-plus patients that we were seeing, and we weren't getting any of that money. And so we tried to negotiate with another government agency, see how well that worked. It didn't work out well, believe it or not. And we had to set up a trust with Medicare in order to take care of those people. But in the meantime, we were basically told we can't see them anymore. And they actually felt the same way, that this was just a ploy, you know, to, you know, wait to, to see it to kill that population off, if you would, or to, to decrease that population. That's right. So it's not the first time that people, you know, have said things of that sort. We would like to think in our human nature, I would like, love to think, because I am definitely a, a, I'm a truster. I love, I trust people um, until they... You know, once until they do me wrong, and then, then that's it. 
but I, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I like to think that we don't have people out there that are that. But but I've also understand that, you know, if you look at it, Medicare is an issue. Medicare has always been an issue. And I think that is, you know, a concern for a lot of, you know, our society is what are we going to do? Are we going to be able to take care of all these people? Are we not going to be able to take care of all these people? And from what I understand, the majority of the people that did pass were, were older people. So, you know, is that going to uh, make things a little bit easier? Exactly. Of course it is. Okay. But but you never want it at the expense of people of people dying dying off. I mean you just you just don't want that. So I agree with you hundred percent from somebody who was a hospital administrator, we would get in trouble all the time. Matter of fact, I would have to go through and we'd have to go have people go through every one of our notes and our diagnostically related groups to make sure that when we also accounted for our costs that we weren't up what they call um, up billing, okay? It's illegal. Up, up billing is illegal. And what they're doing with COVID right now is exactly. up billing. And, they're, exactly. and it's legal. And the federal government is encouraging it. And I'm like... Exactly. They're participating this, in the corruption. This is corruption yes. at the yes. highest level. And they're using people in fear. And it's sad. I, I just want to yeah. say I want to thank our father, who I, I, I'm very spiritually aware, and I'm glad that God has kept his hands on me for his purpose, and I'm glad I'm able to speak truth to power, because where we are in this world right now, if you don't have God in your life, please, people, seek him out and find him, okay, because things are going to get worse before they get better. All you have to do is read Revelations. Read Revelations, people. The time is at hand. We are witnessing the end times. When you have transvestites teaching our kids and make like clowns in schools, people wake up. When they want to consider a man being a woman, people wake up. This is the abomination of Satan. And, you know, I have to call it what it is. We're going through a spiritual warfare right now. And if we look at all the satanic things that are going on in the world, even in politics, it's satanic, people. Either you're with God or you're with the devil. And, yeah, and, and I think that, um, Go ahead, Julie. And that's our biggest problem no, no. right now is that we are in a spiritual warfare and the devil knows his time is up. That's why, excuse the expression, <laughs> I mean, I've never seen television promote sex on regular in commercials. I, I mean, yeah, it's beyond me. I'll take this yeah. pill so you can have an erection all night. I'm looking at this. I'm saying to myself, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of the when I, when, that are on TV, never. <laughs> never when I grew up. When I grew up and you grew up, the most provocative thing I ever saw on television was when Jane Russell came out with Cross Your Heart Bra. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And she had a bra on television. That was the most provocative thing I've ever seen on television. Oh, yeah, I know. It's, you know, and, and things, listen, things change. And that's why I said, but fundamentally, the difference was 
you know, we would all sort of snicker. Of course we would when we'd see things like that. We were young kids, and we just mm-hmm. sort of knew that those were so but, – but fundamentally, we had values. Exactly. I mean, we weren't going to, like, say – that wasn't going to drive us to go out and, I guess, lust for a woman, I guess. That's the best thing or I can say. I mean, people yes. are people. They're going to do things. They're going to have things in their head. But what makes us different between the animal population is that God did give us free will, and God did, God did give us choice. And the choices that we're making these days, what a waste. I just think to myself, God gives you a choice. You have a choice. And this is the choice you're going to choose. I mean, that is what just totally befuddles me is the ridiculousness of some of the things that they focus on when there are people out here that can't pay their rent. I I run into them every day, and they say to me, they're in tears. They're afraid. I had a lady, she was so afraid. She was mm -hmm. crying. She said, please tell me that, you know, that somebody's going to stop this. And I told her, I said, I'm, I'm doing my best. But we, yeah. I, I, but I did have to tell her, please have right. faith. Do have faith because I don't want people out there being afraid. And it's, it's the way I see them, and as angry as I see them, and frustrated and depressed, and you know, all I have to say is, see, please don't don't lose the faith. Exactly. This country is the best country in the world. There's That's no right. other country like this. It's worth fighting for. So people that are afraid to say, oh, I can't speak up. You have got to speak up. You've got to act. You've got to stand behind good uh, public servants that you know are going to, and, and you have to go out of your way to assess that public servant. Don't just listen, you know. I Don't listen to the, to the top la- layer. Go find out a little bit more about that person. You know? Amen. So that's, that's my thing. Julie, thank you so much. We're out of time, but before we go i just want to so fast well because <laughs> and i'm giving that's an hour um <laughs> I, I, I i and i love talking with you we bring so much out of the issues uh in each other you bring out my passion on issues and i just want to talk about one thing that i am upset about the times that we're living on in right now the part that disappoints me the most is where are our religious leaders standing up against pornography on television, pornography in our schools, pornography in our politics? Where are our, however, I go back to the Bible verse when God says, many will come in my name and deceive the masses. So there are a lot of false prophets out there, people, because the people that are real prophets will stand up against all of the wiles of the devil and they won't pick and choose so we have a lot of leaders so-called christian leaders that go on television every week collect money make millions Mm. while our morality in this country is being eroded by big tech mainstream media and corrupt politicians we are at a precipice in our country people we are really living in a very serious time on where we want our country's direction to go. This is not a game for us, for older people like Julie and myself. 
We know what America should be like. We know what Martin Luther King and those that fought with him to have equal rights. Yeah. Not based on your sexual gender. Gender is not a civil right. Your sex is not a civil right. To try to equate a person being judged by the color of their skin to their sexual orientation is beyond the pale to me. Because how would I know who you're having sex with unless you announce it or tell someone? I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, Absolutely. the propaganda. Yeah. Listen, I have friends that are gay, whatever. I, I don't care whatever your lifestyle is. My point is, what, what's the celebration about? Why do you have to promote it? Like, what do you mean gay rights? Who's denying you rights? Who's saying you can't be gay? But that's a whole right. other issue. I'm just saying this yeah. stuff is so far beyond the pale that it's, it's un, it doesn't make sense anymore. But yeah. that's what and happens I, you when know, I, you remove yeah. God out of the equation. You have two minutes, Jules, and that's it. Okay, <laughs> so we no, don't get cut I'm off. Uh, no, nope, I'm going to use my two minutes to say, listen, if you, you know, I am on hallforcongress.com. Uh, that is my website. People ask me, what do I do differently this year? If you go look at my website, not only do I talk, I'm very detailed about how I'm going to, how I think that I can affect things. And I base this on my 30 years of experience as a senior leader, as an executive, and a decorated military officer in my job. And I was a healthcare administrator. So I had leadership training and I had training and education in healthcare. So I look at that background, and if you go in there, you're going to see that I have dealt with these issues before. The same issues that we're dealing with, they come around and around, and people think it's, oh, it's something new. And I just like say, go back and look what they did the last time. Go back and take a look at why it didn't look, you know. I'm not, a, I'm not adverse to tackling another problem again for the second time because each time, you know, you have new eyes and, and, and a new way to move about it. But I just have to say, when you have experience dealing with solutions, with challenges, and you're effective at finding solutions, that's the kind of person that you want on your side. That's me. I'm Julie Hall. Hallforcongress.com is my website. And if you would please make a donation, it's an unfortunate thing, but I have to earn money too. I am putting in half of my own pension. I am putting skin in the game because it means so much to me. I'm asking you to help me do the rest. Let's get over the edge this time. Let's get those 11 points and let's win this seat. Thank you. Julie, thank you so much for your friendship, your love, and your commitment only to our country but to the state of Mass. You are truly an example of what leadership is. And I'm so blessed and humbled that you're my friend, and I can't thank you enough for what you have done and what you are doing and what you will do. You know, I'll keep you in my prayers. Yes, I'll keep you in my prayers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'll keep you in my prayers because we know that you're battling against the devil in an uphill battle of corrupt politicians. But at the end, we will win the battle. Like you always say, we must keep the faith and we must be consistent with discipline. And we will win eventually. Right always wins over wrong. 
So until next okay. time, and I will have I will have you back on again. Thank you again, Julie. Excellent. Thank you. Okay. You're listening to The Chauncey Show, where we're always right and never left. We put God first and politics second. We were honored, blessed, and proud to have in the studio retired Air Force Colonel Julie Hall, talking about her humble beginnings, talking about her leadership, talking about problems that everyday people face in America, and talking about how we can solve these problems. She also mentioned something that was so important. Please look at the integrity of a candidate. Don't look at what they say. Look at what they do. Look at who they are as a human being, spiritual being, person of faith. Very important how we reassess how we look at candidates today, and I want to thank Julie for sharing that insight. Next up on Thursday, another exciting show lined up. George T. Farrell is the founder of Black Pack, and he has been very instrumental with the winds in Virginia, Georgia, and Florida talking about his organization, talking about the challenges that we face in our country and what Black PAC, his political action committee, is doing to bring better candidates to the forefront to help all Americans. I want to thank you all for tuning in to The Chauncey Show. Please, if you are able to, uh, we do this at no cost. If you can make a small donation to PayPal Me, The Chauncey Show, it will help us to continue to be a voice for you. We the people, we speak truth to power, we put God first and politics second. We're here for you and no one else. And we thank you always for your support. God bless you all. And until next time, keep the faith. Good night now. Your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should, too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too and with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus. Made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by Chev. At Office Depot Office Max, we're here to help you work from home, an office, or even a coffee shop. Shop laptops, notebooks, ergonomic chairs, desks, and more. Although your local store at Spectrum at Ruston Town Center has closed, you can shop at our store at Benedict Drive and Bartholomew Fair Drive. Or shop 24-7 at officedepot.com, and we'll have your order ready in-store or curbside in just 20 minutes. Find everything you need to end the year strong at Office Depot Office Max.